Good evening, Patriots. Today is Saturday, March 19th in the year 2022. And it is as in the days of Noah. <laughs> I'll tell you. I, you know, there's, there's really no describing this show that we're watching right now. And I really mean this. It's If I had written a script, it couldn't have been more messed up than this is right now. And so it's going to take a lot for us to get through this, including good sleep. So make sure you're getting good sleep. And to do that, make sure you get over on over to MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is our Bards Nation's landing page. Check out MyPillow products. They're designed to help you sleep better. Take away a lot of the stress, which we're going to need to do right now. A lot of it. And that's very real. The stresses are going to increase and things are going to get a little crazy. And we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. But you can use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, to take a tour on the MyPillow site and the My Speech site and the, My, and the Frank Speech site as well. And you can use that promo code on any of those sites to get great discounts, in particular discounts on the things that you really need right now. Good sleep products, sheets, blankets, comforters, sleepwear, all heavily discounted, 50% off, 60% off. And it's essential. And part, plus your dollars are going to be used towards voting for a company that we want to continue to support. That's MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell is an amazing CEO. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S, to get these great savings. Take advantage of some amazing savings. Like I said, 60% off on Giza Sheets. My pillow's down as low as 1998, and those are products I use every day, and they do make a difference. That's why I believe in it so much. It's literally made a huge difference in my sleep, having brought them on. So check it out, mypillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. This whole world is beginning to unravel, and it's unraveling at least, well, it has to, because the dollar is the underpinning part of this. Ukraine is the epicenter of the deep state's control grid. And the narrative control over the people is stunning. I mean, I, I still kind of roll my eyes at how many people are still buying into this Ukraine thing. And they just aren't getting what's actually happening. And that's going to lead to a lot of difficult times ahead. The deep state's biggest weapon is their control of information and their ability to control people's perception of reality. And many things are happening here that are not going to make life any easier, however this thing unrolls. First and foremost of all things right now is the fact that the dollar is now on its edge of losing its reserve currency status. And that is going to, it has already started its impact. In my opinion, a lot of the gas price increase isn't so much about supply because the, we're hearing that the, the supply hasn't diminished. What it is about cost at the pump because the dollar's buying power is diminishing so much. And that would account for these high levels of increase. Our actual inflation right now is running at 55%. I'm not exaggerating, and I can prove it. Use the dollar store as an indicator, but I verified this across other, with spot checking prices across other grocery outlets. Remember, your, your, in, your inflation rate that they're giving you does not include food costs and gas costs right now. They're hiding that to keep the inflation rate at 7.5%. But in the last 30 days, 
the dollar store has now become the dollar twenty-five store. That's a twenty-five percent increase. If you start looking around at your grocery store, you're, you're going to see there is about a twenty-five percent increase in everything, including Starbucks too. By the way, a twenty-five percent increase in cost. That's inflation, and that's a direct hit at buying power. And then you have gas, and gas has gone up 30% in the last 60 days. So that's a total increase on impact on budget of 55% on the budget, 55%. So if you go look at wood, wood has been up 60%. A sheet of plywood now that was high at $30 is now at $68. If you want to check pressure treated, which is like the lowest standard, it's usually hemlock injected with stuff. That that cost right now is almost higher than cedar itself, which is phenomenal because cedar is expensive. We're seeing an unbelievable rise of costs, which is going to create ripple effects across the society. And as these ripple effects occur, we're also seeing more and more truth and awareness starting to trickle out. So you've got the awareness that, Prices are going up. It's hitting the budgets. People are getting dissatisfied. And then we start to see the whole world (laughs) begin to unravel. Take a listen to this one. Let's talk about TSA using facial recognition technology. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Paige Lord, and I create content about artificial intelligence. And I specifically study facial recognition technology in the hands of U.S. law enforcement and the ways in which it might infringe on our privacy and due process rights. So there I am standing in the TSA pre-check line and I realize that they're using facial recognition technology and so I go up to the TSA gal when it's my turn and I say, hey, is this facial recognition? And she said, yes it is. And I said, can I please be moved to another line? And she moved me over to another line even though she was disgruntled to do it, but I was able to actually take advantage of this technology by declining use of it. And so this is your reminder that even though you see facial recognition technology being used by government entities out in the wild, you don't actually have to opt into that. You can say, no, thank you. What are my other options? I just want to remind you guys of that because there's not a lot of transparency about what's happening with your data or about how they're using your face print, which are the bio, which is the biometric measurement that they're taking of you. Your face print, your biometric measurement is the new coal. And that's what they're mining now because once they get this, the other thing that they've all obviously been going after is your DNA. So it's a reminder that you can opt out, but this the whole point that it's being in, in put into every aspect of our lives. Facial recognition is an industry. So I, I want to point this out because when you start here thinking of things like, well, we're going to get some arrests and we're going to make this better, we are building an entire industries, industries plural, around monitoring and stealing data of people. There is no way through this. And the thing is, with those technologies already being deployed, there's no easy way through this. With those technologies already being deployed, the problem we have is that tyrants are only going to use them more aggressively to protect themselves. So keep that in mind, because this is the world that we're really heading into. This is literally, like I say, the days of Noah. Here's one on voting just to dig into this one, which we haven't covered a lot here lately, but listen to this one. Good morning. You ready for this one? So I used to work for Diebold Incorporated. You guys remember them, right? They were, um, they basically wrote election software. 
2000, 2006. Y'all heard all about it, I'm sure, if you were born in the 70s like I was. So Diebold ended up getting in a whole bunch of problems. And um, in 2007, they changed their name to Premier Election Solutions, okay? And then in 2009, they went out of business altogether. And guess who they sold their software to? Election Systems and Software, ES&S, and Dominion Voting Systems. Okay, remember that. Now, what you probably didn't know is the Supreme Court heard a case regarding the Diebold software um, July 22nd, 2020. Okay, and in this lawsuit, which was um, presented by a whole bunch of different states, and it's um, number 19-1399 um, in the Supreme Court of the United States, Shelby Advocates for Valid Elections at All versus Trey Hargret at All. Okay, so if you want to look it up and read the entire thing, um, please feel free because I highly recommend that. But one of the, the sentences I thought that was really crazy in this that was um, submitted, page five, if you want to re read the Supreme Court um, petition, the Diebold system is susceptible to computer viruses that propagate from voting machine to voting machine and even voting machines to the election management system, which could allow an attacker with access to only one voting unit or memory card to spread malicious code between elections to many, if not all, of a county's voting units. You didn't hear about that on the media, did you? You know why? Because Diebold was the name in the lawsuit. Okay, it's the AccuVote tech system. It's still being used. That software is still being used. In the Dominion voting machines. So, yeah, it's not conspiracy theory. It went to the Supreme Court. A lot of states petitioned to get rid of these units using that software. Um, Scholars at Princeton Center for Information Technology Policy who analyzed an AccuVote TS machine found it's vulnerable to extremely serious attacks. Yeah, it's documented. And Dominion uses their software. The amazing thing is that they actually have to petition the Supreme Court to get rid of this in their voting systems. You need to, we need to be asking that question of why. But on even another note, we start to look at a system and we keep looking at this. And this is why I keep talking about this importance of building the mentality of a breakaway. Because this system is corrupted to its core. How do you correct these things? How do you correct a system that every step along the way, you have an acceptance of corruption in a system that's supposed to be based on integrity? I'll give me a simple example. There's a guy that I know here in my own county that took a job recently with, well, was hired to do a job last year to begin auditing and going through and improving efficiencies in the county purchasing system. And he discovered that there were numerous contracts that were not being put out for public bid, but instead being renewed through the good old boy network. When he discovered that, they terminated him. This is at a local county level, in a county that actually is quite good. 
in many ways. But this is the mentality of people. We have approached a point where corruption, we talk a lot about DNA corruption. But the corruption is deeper than DNA. The corruption is moral and ethical. And this is all rooted again in the relationship to God and the lack thereof. Listen to this one. This comes, this is about Oregon. Check this out. If this isn't a sign to pull your kids out of public school, I really don't know what is. This should just piss you right off. So in Oregon, teachers have to take a class on porn literacy, all funded by your taxpayers' dollars. Time to pull the kids out. We've been talking about that regularly. Teachers in Oregon are taking a class on porn literacy. Apparently, the, the and I don't know where this concept is with parents. I understand that we're, parents are feeling bound because they have jobs and they don't really know what to do with homeschooling. Look, we're, it's like everything else. We've been in this problem now. For, if you've been in living and breathing in the United States, you have been aware of the problem for five years. Whether you chose to listen to it is your choice. Before then, we'll give you a grace because under Obama, I think that people were just in a daze. But at least when President Trump came onto the stage, the problems began to be surfaced and put before us to, re- to start to do something about it. Now, if I look at this from just an optic of God's hand, the one thing I can say that it's easy to see in this very shallow sense that God has used President Trump to do at least one thing, and that is to place the problems before the people, before his children, so that they would do something about it. I just don't know what we're doing about it because we're, there's a small group of us that are fighting, but there is a continued recycling and just to continue to do things over and over and over again simply because we can. Listen to this. And I guarantee you, if we played this in front of the parents, there'd still be a ton of people taking their kids to this. Listen to this. This is from The Daily Wire. Also, it says Turning Red is the newest movie from Disney Pixar that has some parents turning red with anger. They say the children in the movie are overtly disobedient and rude. Plus, there are sexual themes, including the main character twerking as a panda in front of her mother while taunting her, plus multiple instances of the girl rebelling against her overbearing Chinese-Canadian mother to the point of being disrespectful. The film is touted touted as a coming-of-age sensation where the supernatural and the mundane happily walk hand-in-hand. I've heard this criticism of this film as basically summarizing what we just read there, that it's just this obnoxious kid, disobedient to her parents. It, it, It doesn't actually have a message. Of course, you can portray that kind of stuff in kids movies it's been portrayed many times before but the question is what's the what's the message at the end of it from what i've been told there is no message at the end of this telling kids oh, okay well actually you should respect your, your family is important you should respect your parents that's not the message at the end in fact the message is quite the opposite of that but look i haven't seen the movie i don't plan on seeing it um i've heard enough just from this that uh, i i'm not my kids aren't going to watch it I do put a lot of stock in kind of parental reviews. 
Those are the, I tell you what, those are the only reviews I actually care about, the only ones that I, that I trust and that I find to be relatively reliable. And this is all I need to hear. You know, if you've got a large number of parents saying, eh, this is not good for kids, it's got, it's got the wrong messages, it's, it, it, on top of that, it's just kind of loud and obnoxious and stupid, um, that's enough for me to not show it to my kids. Yeah, and he's, on, he's right. The question is how many will listen to that. But, see, that's, not, that's just the tip of the iceberg, though. Disney had people arrested last week, and I read today, and I, I'm still trying to confirm this, that apparently the CEO has been charged with child trafficking or child pedophilia or something or other. But it's worse than that because it's in their culture. You have their culture within Disney pressuring now the CEO to be more forward-leaning on his support for grooming kids. Listen to this. The uh, CEO of Disney uh, had uh, was recently challenged on some of their on them not being supportive enough, radical enough, and the CEO said, "Oh, trust me, we're getting our message out through our stories." We and so they're intentional. They're saying basically, nod, nod, wink, wink. We're all LGBTQ, critical race theory. We're signed off on all the things you want from us, but we're we're evangelizing through stories. Think about the devils that are at work through stories that are saying, yeah, your mom and your dad, they're not really the ones that are your peers, your friends, the ones that you really love and love you. Yeah, you see? So this is the problem that we have, is that as conservatives are running around, and I won't even think it's fair to say conservatives anymore, but we're, we're very divided as a movement. The left is not divided. Like that or not, they're not. The left is, for the most part, hates everything. They're godless. In fact, I don't really think they have any fear of God. They are the true unbelievers. And yet they're unified. They may not get along on much, but they're unified on one thing. They are going after the kids. They are going after the complete destruction of the moral center, the moral heart of this nation, and to put it to bed and to death once and for all. Where is the moral outrage at the pulpit? It's not here. And I will always say this, there are good pastors, just so people don't start doing the thing of like, well, my pastor said, good, glad, happy for you. The problem is that those are anomalies. And it doesn't matter how big a church is, pastors as a whole have failed, period, end of story. And though there has been some resurgence of this since COVID, as their empires were threatened is when they started to wake up because suddenly the foundations of the money generation systems they created with the 501c3 model and the state now threatening those, now they begin to say, whoa, wait a minute, this isn't so good. We should never have been here. This, these discoveries of Disney are not new, but they were passed off. For years as conspiracy theory, ah, y'all just getting a little crazy. Don't worry about that. That's just a little nuts. Disney's a nice place to take your kids. This is, this is what we've become in this culture to where we don't listen. It's the canary in the coal mine issue. You understand that, I would hope. The canary used to be placed literally in a cage. And when the canary died... It was an immediate, it was their first alert 
to the presence of carbon monoxide or other gases that were poisoning them. The canary literally was their alert system. And so we've had this voice going out here. We've had people from all walks of life raising the flag of alert saying, hey, literally being the canaries, it's coming at us. There's a problem. And the world just keeps marching along. And unfortunately, we're now here. The, the reality check on all of this is that we need to be aware and be realistic in what we're looking at next. And I, I'm, everybody wants to have a Cinderella ending to this thing. Everybody wants to believe in a white hat rolling in with a bunch of guys to clean it up. So I want to run that scenario because I think it's important to just take that and take that one by the horns and say, okay, let's say that in the next 90 days, because we're in some sort of operational window, let's say in the next 90 days, or maybe it'll be six months, that there's some big military action to save the Union, to save the Republic. And there's going to be a shock and awe moment. And there's going to be all these arrests. And I guarantee you, you're going to have the two camps. You're going to have the MAGA Q camp that are going to go, it's happening. It's happening. It's the storm. And you're going to have the other side that's going to be screaming bloody murder about tyranny. And they're going to be rising up and talking about how it's, Trump and it's this, it's Russia. That'll be your two camps. Problem is, it's not going to solve much. Sure, it'll core out the cancer, but it's and I've used this metaphor and I'm and I'm, I'm I use it in the title of the book that I'm still working on, and it's the title of this chapter is like breast cancer, we will all be scarred. This is the real truth here. When we start to see moral degradation that has come in through the institutions of film, when we're seeing institutions requiring teachers to go through training to on porn literacy, when you're talking about voting machines that have institutionalized software that can be hacked, when you're talking about the institutionalization of biometrics, facial facial recognition software, all of that is tying into expensive, well-developed networks. You have industries that are continuing to grow with trading on Wall Street that is trading their stocks on surveillance technology. We have Meta that's growing out, and it's not stopping. It's still going. You can complain about it all you want. It's still coming. And then we have this whole thing of the digital currency. And, oh, there's the big white elephant in the room. It's the dollar, which is in its end days. The petrodollar, that is, the Federal Reserve petrodollar. Then we have the reality of sicknesses. I read some stuff tonight that's stunning. You've heard of some of these diseases, Marburg rabies, all sorts of other sicknesses out here that they've been playing with in, in Ukraine. Well, here's what the latest theory is. And there's cre- credibility to this theory. That within the injection, the graphene oxide and the has, is, will take the messages from the nanotech 
and the nanotech has been programmed deeply to mimic certain diseases so that with a pulse signal, people can start having the sickness symptoms that the graphene oxide will start replicating in their body, even though it is not actually a virus, but it'll look like Marburg or something like that. You'll start seeing people bleeding from their eyes or they'll start having them be coughing up blood. It will create that effect. These are just the beginnings of things. And I'm saying all this because we have to be very realistic about what we're heading into. Let's just take that great cue moment. White hat's in control. Patriot's in control. All right, I'll take it because I, I can argue that there is something very significant going on in the back end, and I've said that from the beginning, and there's indicators that that's exactly what's happening. You're like, where's Tom Hanks? Where's... Where's some of where's Cher? Where's Madonna? Where's Meryl Streep? There's some indicators that something's going on because even when I talk to folks and I do have that are working in Hollywood, they can't even figure out where they are. So something's going on, whether they've gone deep into a bunker or whether they're arrested or removed off the board. I don't know. And it's great to say, well, yeah, I've heard that they're dead or whatever. Good. Okay. Got it. But this is where we got to roll back the realism, okay? Each one of us needs to be building our arc right now because this thing is far from over, and a few arrests aren't going to change the moral bankruptcy that's happened in this nation. That's the job we have, and that's a tough one. And that moral bankruptcy has to get into, we have to get way past denial. We have to get way past anger. We have to get way past bargaining. We have to get into heavy, into depression. We need this whole society in a place where it's like marginalized depression. And the only way it has to go is either going deeper or being saved through Christ. And I think that's where we're going to head because I would say it this way. The only way you're, on, you're going to wake up America is to ruin their money the end of the day when they can no longer buy something that they want when they no longer have a credible currency when they no longer have an ability to even buy bread for the table without spending 80 percent inflation on that bread that's when people wake up do i know that that's going to happen nope do i think that's what's going to happen I think that if you look at what's going on in Ukraine, I think it's a real eye-opener. And it's something to pay attention to. Because it's the, it is the model. It is the model for the NWO. For the new the Nazi world order or the WEF. Right now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you can't. if you're a citizen of Ukraine, you can't leave the country. In fact, if you speak out in Ukraine about this war being anything other than a war if you call it a civil war if you call it a a revolution if you call if you defend russia any of those things any political party that does that is immediately dissolved and anybody that speaks out is now thanks to the latest paper signed by zelensky is now threatened with arrest and all of this propaganda with this 
yellow and blue. Trust me, I'm never going to use yellow and blue. All of this brainwashing and propaganda that's going on is bringing people into an absolute mind-numbing existence. And we have this virtual signaling that's turned into something greater, which is actually turned into a belief system. They believe that we need to defend Ukraine. That's the deep state's tentacles of control. So we're that small beacon of light and hope that's coming up from inside, keeping in mind that as we look across the borders, I'm not going to pedestalize any of these leaders. The fact of the matter is, though, there's only one leader I know in the world at this point in time that just did a speech to his nation and quoted the Bible. And I'm going to challenge you, and I'll bet you know exactly who I'm going to say. And that was Putin. Listen to this. I'll translate it as it goes. Listen to this. And no, I'm not. I'm just so you know, I don't speak Russian. I'm reading translations, but from what I got today, this is accurate. So listen to this. To relieve these people of suffering, of this genocide, this was the main goal of the military operation. We launched in Donbass and Ukraine. This is our aim. I recall words from the Holy Scripture. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man laid down his life for his friends. It so happened that my sheer coincidence for the start of the operation was the same day as the birthday of one of our outstanding military leaders, Fyodor Yushokov. Throughout his brilliant career, he did not lose a single battle. He once said that these thunderstorms would glorify Russia. This is how it was in his time. This is how it is today and will always be. Thank you. Yeah, that's the leader that they say is on his last legs. So we have a time now we have come to which the mirror has been placed upon us. We are now looking back at the mirror, and what do we see? Ourselves. And I, it's sickening to me in many ways as a person who has served this nation in a number of capacities. It's heartbreaking in ways, but my relationship with Christ, my relationship with God is greater than any flag of a nation, is greater than any propaganda of patriotism is greater than any document signed by our founding fathers. I'm comfortable with that. There are many people that are not. And it's going to be the hardest red pill ever to face. That where we are right now, and what we are doing right now, as a country, is not for the benefit of the world. It's quite to the contrary. It's for the actions to support 
those that worship Baal and Baphomet and Moloch. It's easy to point. I bring up Putin because I happen to know that he was baptized a Christian and he's reclaimed his Christian values. He's built churches. He's the only leader in the world that has made true action on reviving the faith within his nation. Trump's give lip service to it. But he also has said openly he's never asked for forgiveness from God. And he said that in an interview 18 months ago. I hope he finds forgiveness for God. Because this isn't a time to be playing games with that. We seek forgiveness almost every day. We should be seeking forgiveness every day. Not because we're trying to remind ourselves of our flaws, but we are trying to reestablish our purity through Christ to the Father. And as I've said many times, you know me, I am not one that carries this walk of saying, you're a sinner, you need to feel guilty, oh, whatever. Yeah, I know. We're imperfect. We live in a horribly imperfect world. And that's one thing that the pulpit never talks about. Somehow, like, we're a sinner, we're supposed to be above all this, or we're a sinner, we're supposed to feel guilty about all this. No, we're a sinner, we're God's children, because we're living behind enemy lines. And as we go through that process of working with Father to cleanse ourselves of our sins and, and seek repentance on a daily basis, we're reaffirming our strength and standing up stronger, because we should be learning from that. As a nation, we're far from that, and nations will be judged, and we are in the valley of decision. We have a long ways to go on this road. Where Russia sits today, keep in mind that they started this walk that they're in today in 1991. When they finally had the fall of Soviet Russia, so you can do the math, That's 30 years ago. That's 30 years of leadership, growth, of facing reality. That's 30 years of having to come to the realization of what they were as a nation. And that process to get there, by the way, Russia lost 30 million people from 1917 to 1991 and possibly more. Let that sink in a minute. 30 million or more. Patriots, here's the harsh truth. That a nation that is where we are today is going to be judged. And we have been judged. And we're going to have to walk through this judgment. It's not just going away. We have 100 million people that have taken this injection. This is not a benign issue. The cases continue to climb. The age group from 25 to 44 in the third quarter of last year, there was 64,000 deaths. That's as many deaths as there were over the entire span of the Vietnam War, and they had it in one quarter. And that's with one age group. We're going to be walking a very difficult path. 
And I say all that because the only way we're going to get through this is to keep our walk closer and closer with Jesus. To keep our eyes clear. To keep walking forward. These are difficult times ahead. And we're going to have to do our part, each of us, not only to keep prepared and be diligent right now, not getting sidetracked on the many things that are going on. There are informational cues or pointers along the walk to keep ourselves true in the course. But this system's going to have to fall, and it's going to have to fall hard. And it's there, that I, the quote that I've repeated so many times, never will so much be asked of so few by so many. That's where we come in. And we will come in strongly. And focused. And we will help this country rise again. But we're all going to be challenged. Because this deep state, it lives here. It's grown up here. It has grown deep here. And it's not going to let go of its power easily. So back again to that place of the perfect action by Q. Ten days of darkness or whatever that is. We'll just say that that's going to happen for the sake of the conversation. But 10 days of darkness isn't going to change the kindergarten teacher that's trying to get your child to believe in CRT and to try to introduce them to transgender studies and introduce them to porn. 10 days of darkness is not going to change the school board member that advocates for mandatory injections for your child. Ten days of darkness is not going to bring back the pain of someone's child who's been permanently damaged by the injection that no one wants to believe, especially those who took the injection, because to do that sort of belief means that they too have to be complicit in the crime. Ten days of darkness isn't going to change the school board members that have all voted to keep kids masked up to keep them in social distanced and to continue pushing forward with CRT. Ten days of darkness is not going to change the moral base of this nation. That job is years worth. And that job is ours. This is your mission, as they say in Mission Impossible. This is your mission if you choose to accept it. I choose to accept it, a tough one ahead, but one which this nation, Bard's nation, I have the utmost confidence in can rise to the occasion and will need to rise to the occasion. We will have to become stewards and teachers and mentors and disciples. We will have to be all these things. And this nation's going to need it. And I'm not dinging anybody out there that's doing great work because there are a number of great groups of people that are doing great work. But Bars Nation's a bit unique. 
in that spectrum because for the large part, we've stayed outside of the political rallies and the rah-rah about elections and this, and we've stayed focused on core mission. The core mission is putting God back on the throne of this country. The core mission is how we get there, county by county. The core mission is that we understand that while God will win this, our work is just beginning. And we have a lot of work to do. So patriots, these are some very serious times. Not depressing. Perhaps a little bit somber at moments. But they're real. And there's nothing better than a good foundation of reality. Because then as we look across, our expectations diminish and we have one thing all in common. We're simply turning to Father and say, okay, here I am. Send me. Let's remember Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. The greatest part about that passage is that in the ancient paths, there is rest for the soul. The tragic part are those that choose not to seek it. Our mission, in my opinion, is to offer the breadcrumbs to point them in the direction where they can find rest for their soul, whether they choose it or not, is theirs and between them and God. Let us pray. Father, ask that you'll hear our prayers tonight. Jesus, just please and thank you for being with us this evening. You've blessed us with so much, and you really have brought us so far, and you've sacrificed beyond anything that we can ever give back to give us life, to carry the burden of our sin, to reset us in a pathway back to the standing next to the throne. In these days, we have opened our eyes deeply to all that's going on, and the world is continuing to descend into a measure of darkness. And They often say that it is darkest before the light. It is also coldest just before sunrise. And that chill has hit us in deep ways, especially when we look at what's happened to our children and what continues to be the war against our children. A nation cannot survive, Father, as you well know, if we do not protect and defend the most blessed, the most innocent. And in so many ways, we have stumbled in this path. We have neglected the care for our parents. And we have come to accept with a certain measure of callousness the destruction of children across this nation. The institutions have always been corrupt, but you've given us the gift now of being able to see deep within them, to understand truly what they are doing. And we can't overlook this gift, Father, because you have given us an insight, a true clarity of all that's been going on. 
You've allowed us to see through the veil. You've allowed us to see through all of those things that were being done in darkness because once now exposed to light, darkness is no more. The question is, Father, what will we do about this? Please hear us, Father, because in many times in the, like this, there is, there is anger. There is righteous indignation. There is even rage. We truly do care for the children of this world and this nation. Understanding at times how to act is a difficult thing. How to respond to this is a difficult thing. And so we turn to you in this prayer tonight. And we truly just ask that you'll hear our prayers. Father, please show us the next step. Show us the next step. One step in the direction you want us to go. Each one of us individually and collectively show us those next steps. We would, there, there is a, a wrathful side to us when it comes to children. It's a wrathful side of what they've done to our parents. And it's a wrathful side of what they've done to all of us in this nation. That's us. We all have it. But what we need to hear clearly, Father, is how you want us to move. You've spoken boldly. You've reminded us of the power of song, of the power of him. The prayer tonight would also be in that path to give us the confidence to do that. To give us each the insight into the power of those choices that are not choices built on violence and anger, but choices that go a completely different direction. To elevate the power of love, agape love, to overcome evil with such a force of unity that evil, evil literally collapses. And we know if we listen in our hearts, we know that's true. Just too often, Father, we have become framed and encapsulated in a culture that has been built around violence as the only outcome in action. Forgive us for our transgressions and put into us ears to hear to truly understand what that means in our life, each and every one of us. We're seeking you more than ever now, Father. Jesus, you're with us. Walk with us. Guide us and show us and teach us. We say these things in your holy name. Amen. We are very much framed in a culture of violence. And it's unfortunate because it blinds us many times to the outcomes that could be so powerful. So I'm going to close just with a little testimony on that piece because, look, I've been in war. I've been trained as a soldier. I've walked many different paths. I've trained in the martial arts. But there's one thing that I've learned through all of this, and it's been really shown to me by Jesus. And that is if we can really grasp the power, the true power of love, not love like kissy kissy and huggy huggy the true power of the love that Christ walked with which is the love of father if we can truly grasp agape love 
Nothing in this world can stand against us. No evil can continue. And that's that fine line of understanding and exploring. And so I will just leave with this challenge because this is a challenge I put to myself every day in prayer to go deeper into this understanding. To understand that agape love was flipping tables and berating the Pharisees as it was also healing and feeding the masses with some bread and fish and giving a sermon on the mount. And to me, that whole power of agape love always comes back to the one verse, that one passage in the Bible where Christ is sitting, is in between the accusers and the adulteress. Because in that exchange, he demonstrates the most powerful presence one could have. He is in between those that are going to throw stones and the woman by law who is to be stoned. And he diffuses everybody. And he leaves everybody with the mission to go and sin no more. That right there, to understand that for me, my personal journey on this, to understand that is to conquer any evil before me. And the best part is that there's real stories in the martial arts like that. I've experienced it and I know it's true. To make it work in every day of our lives is a discipline. And it's a discipline of a new type of warrior. It's a discipline of the warrior of Christ. I would challenge you to take that challenge, to find that path, and to really embrace what it is to be a warrior of Christ. Flipping tables and feeding the masses and healing. Pretty amazing. Have a blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow evening for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. God bless our children. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
I'd found Reaching through somehow Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud When the seasons change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Darling 